0: Hi, it's been a while, Um, and actually I had recorded something with my mom, but shortly unpublished it, Um, but either way, it was really just a very good conversation, and now that I'm saying it out loud, (laughs) there probably wasn't that much reason for me to bring it up, especially since I've since unpublished it. But I just want to kind of talk about how it was a really good experience kind of interviewing my mom and having a really nice conversation. I learned a lot about her and I told her a lot about me. And so it's something that I really look forward to doing another time. Um, As a lot of you don't know me personally, in real life, I'm really shy. And so talking to people is something that's still quite new to me. And I want to do more of it. Um, some of my recent inspiration regarding interviews and just hearing conversations between two people is the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast, um, I actually had heard about it from the Netflix show Midnight Gospel, which I highly recommend. But it's just a new platform that I hope to explore further one day. And without further ado, here's today's episode. (laughs) In the background today, you might hear a bit of ruffling around. Um, I'm not quite sure what to call this series, if you want to call it that, or just a format. Something I'm doing today. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about Ladybird, Bird. Um, Greta Gerwig's Lady ladybird from 2017. Um, oh, sorry, and I'm going to sketch some, something, I'm getting back into drawing. It's something that I really loved to do as a kid. I mean, I'm still technically a kid, um, but it's something that I used to love doing. Um, but then, long story short, I stopped Um, so as I get into that, it's something I'm really trying to work on. And especially with COVID, something I've really started to immerse myself in and learn how to do is paint. Um, in middle school, like whenever I first started painting, I did art for about a week before I switched to band because I just wanted to learn how to read sheet music. (laughs) but I was terrible at painting. I absolutely hated it. I thought paintings were so cool, but it wasn't something I personally could do. And so it wasn't until COVID had started whenever I really practiced and gotten back into it. Now, I find it kind of funny because I jumped like right to the hard painting. Now, all forms of painting are difficult in their own right, but I started with oils. And honestly, I really appreciate that because with oils there's a level of of abstract or realism that comes with it just because it's the format a lot of artists use. Um, Not that I necessarily paint in those styles. Um, It was something that really taught me how to see art. And so not just paint, but working with oils allowed me to use the long time that it took to dry to really pay attention to detail and learn colors, how to draw, really. And so it was pretty much painting that catapulted me back into drawing. And even with this podcast and me writing, it's a way of just expressing my mind and things I can't I can't yet verbalize. So all of that is does have a point. So Recently, maybe about a month or two ago, I had, I was at the store and I asked my mom to get me a sketchbook because I haven't gotten one in about a year, but I haven't drawn in quite a while. So I asked her to get a sketchbook. Now, I've been looking on Pinterest and the interwebs for different journaling ideas And while I still do look at those, I thought of the sketchbook as kind of a transition or, I guess, dual activity (laughs) to really have, like, have a diary, but it's all in pictures. So that's something that I'm, that's something that I'm doing. And even just practicing, trying to sit down each day and draw something has really helped and I feel especially just drawing what's on my mind has really allowed me to feel or catch a feel for my current art style because for a while I was stuck imitating and not to say I copied other people's work but I tried to kind of adopt an art style that wasn't really authentic to me. And so kind of learning how I, myself, draw um, has, it really helps and it's like so freeing, Um, especially to be able to pour that image crazy as it may seem in your mind and translate that onto paper. Cause I feel that was probably the most frustrating part of drawing before um, I had started. And I feel with art, I keep trying to learn new things. Um, When I started this, I guess you can call it journey, I kind of jumped right into oil paintings and fell in love. And I stuck with that for a while and mixed it with a bit of watercolor, mostly for the backgrounds, um, because oil paint's a bit expensive. and then just recently I tried working with acrylics for the longest time. I just assumed and accepted the fact that I can't work with acrylics and kind of me taking up oils. I was like, yeah, for sure. I can't do acrylics, but I started that I jumped into painting and it turned out pretty good. I mean, not the best, but I was still very proud of it. And with my sketchbook, you know the first few pictures are just you know plain lead pencil but then one day at the store i had the grand idea of i'm like i want to learn charcoal and oil pastel a <laughs> memory i have when i was little with oil pastels um I remember thinking that they were almost these fancy crayons and so I had made a huge mess and thinking, I mean, these might have been crayons too, because I think they are like two separate instants. They melted on my dad's car and then the other ones, I got it on the floor. Of course, it was (laughs) cleaned, but... That was just a funny introduction. So I started working with oils and pastels, and honestly, this was probably two weeks ago. (laughs) So not very long, but right now, they're my absolute favorite thing to draw with. Um, I think it's funny because the first ever charcoal sketch is like this really big face, like really crazy, unproportional, I didn't really try. I was just trying to get a feel for it. So it's kind of funny seeing that very first image juxtapose with my first serious one, which is something I actually really like. Um, It's just like an abstract, not really abstract, but it's kind of like a self-portrait. Just a girl with kind of this orange, red-orange mullet. My hair is, um, Brown It's natural. I don't have that type of dye in it, but it was really cool. And I did the hair color with oil pastels. And from there, I kind of started to combine the two mediums, which is just something I find pretty interesting. All of that (laughs) is to say that. I really think that art is kind of a form of therapy and it's something I really feel empowers me. And so, as we talk about that, now segue into the movie. So, a quick biography. Lady Bird is a 2017, I guess you could say indie film. I'm not sure about how indie it is, but it's a 2017 film by Greta Gerwig. And honestly, this is probably one of my absolute favorite movies. (laughs) Um, You can disagree with that, of course. We all have our favorite and least favorite movies. Um, And, you know, that's that's okay. Nothing is wrong with that. Um, But, you know, sometimes I kind of feel like I'd be judged if I ever were to say that just because maybe it's insecurity or from an insider view, it seems like the type of movie everyone would say, or at least, yeah, (laughs) I apologize. You know, those quote unquote underrated films that self-proclaimed film junkies claim to love, um, Or at least claim to say it's underrated, but actually everyone knows about it. That's how I feel I would be viewed. But I realized that, you know, that type of stuff is okay. It's completely fine and normal to like what you like. And you honestly don't owe anyone an explanation. I know that's something I did for, I won't say a long time, but definitely during my later adolescence, and by that, I mean, like, my teen-ish years, um, I based a lot of my opinions, or I wouldn't say based, but I found a lot of my opinions to kind of be based on how others felt. Um, I was quite enthusiastic about, you know, the YouTube film community video essays, um, and a lot of them are so talented, and it's definitely a form I respect. I mean, that's kind of what I love doing now with this podcast. It's just that some reviewers really, I wouldn't say really, but some reviewers kind of, I mean, let me kind of start over (laughs) some reviewers just, I took their opinions to heart, and of course you have film reviewers who are for entertainment, and they're purposely negative on purpose, but there's a lot of pretentious um, rhetoric within the film community, Um, and that's just, that's how a lot of things are, unfortunately, but Either way, I found myself kind of not forming my own opinions until I was a bit older and I went back and watched some movies that were panned by these YouTube film critics and I ended up loving them. And for a while I kind of felt ashamed of the movies that I watched because, you know, you'd be 12, 13 hearing that the movies of, like, your childhood, I mean, you're still in it, or these movies are so bad, (laughs) and so that's just something I had to really counteract, well, not counteract, but fight against, (laughs) so Lady Bird was one of those movies that I kind of slept on for a while until I was I actually had a disagreement with my mom when I first watched it. And it had spoke to me. And <laughs> I don't mean to sound deep. And again, that's I'm still trying to work through accepting that my own opinion or feelings towards movies are valid just because I like it and I don't owe anyone an explanation. Um But Lady Bird had really spoke to, you know, a kind of angsty um, teen in me, especially with some of the problems that she was going through. And, you know, the lessons I learned from Lady Bird at 13, 14, are definitely a bit different from the ones I have now. Um, And so... It's something I definitely love about the movie that it continues to evolve. As a teenager, one of the biggest tropes that I see about us is how we all hate our parents. We all hate our parents, our families, our hometowns, our schools. We hate everything. The boring and established routine, you know? As we grow older, we start to resent the place we've lived all our life And we really just crave something. No, because mundane, I don't really know the (laughs) plural, but mundane naturally takes over a lot of our worlds. So we grow to really hate a lot of the things that work for us. With our parents, as we grow up, we we inevitably become like them. And maybe it's the intimidation that we're very similar to them or or the fact that we are how we are. It causes a lot of tension um, in families. <laughs> I like to believe that whenever you're um, too similar to someone, you don't really get along. Of course, that's not the case for everything, but just how people say opposites attract I definitely feel there's kind of a flip side to that Um, and I kind of see that like with my own parents whenever I get in trouble I my whole life I've always heard you're acting like your mom or you're doing that thing your dad does as if I can't just be my own person with quirks from both both of my parents and, you know, in a funny way, it's kind of ironic because I grew up with both my parents. So, of course, I'd pick on up on both of their characteristics for better and worse. And so, you know, as a teen, a lot of us live with our parents or at least guardian because this can work for any guardian figure. And so a lot of the conflict I feel in our life comes from that parental conflict. <laughs> and so having instability at home is only a disaster waiting to happen. And so, you know, at school, outside of life, people come and go. We make and lose friends. So the only people we really see as rocks or as trustworthy are our parents. And that's really until we lose trust trust in them as a and <laughs> as a teenager, you know, it's natural to grow up wanting independence and I think a lot of us kind of picture going off to college as a chance to move far off and you know escape our lives pretty much. Um, as a high schooler, a senior now, I've definitely thought of this. Um, or you know, I'm going to kind of stay true to my outline because I wrote the first part of it. What I'm basing it off in when I was still in eleventh grade, and so at the time. I definitely pictured myself going off to college in Europe or Canada or someplace crazy. But whenever you look at the reality of things like scholarships, tuition, financial aid, it can really feel that your life is narrowing down on you. Because unless you're rich or at least privileged enough, the reality is most of us will go to a a college in our state, not that that's a problem, um, but a lot of us end up going to colleges that are at least a financially responsible institution. And that does not always include a person's dream school. Lady Bird was actually Greta Greta Gerwig's directorial debut. it won a couple of Golden Globes, actually. Um, and from its initial budget of $10 million, which is crazy, it had grossed about $79 million, which is really big. Um, and so I think it's just all fair. I say fair as if it's a game. But I think it's all justifiably due because... Is such an amazing movie and it gives a greatly intimate view on how it is to be a teen which isn't always fun so the movie opens with a shot of christine and marion mcpherson in a hotel room, on a hotel room bed asleep. And the audio is of Christine asking her mom if she looks like she's from Sacramento. Her mom replies with, you are from Sacramento, which is true, Christine is from and has lived her whole life in Sacramento, California. But <laughs> this aggravates um, Christine, and they're on a college trip, pretty much. And on the way back home, in the preceding shot, the dr- the pair drive along a quite desolate, or really just empty road, and they're listening to "Grapes of Wrath" an audiobook. The car scene features a wide shot of both Christine and her mom and their expressions as the audio tape plays. Now, Grapes of Wrath was a 1939 novel by John Steinbeck, or Steinbeck, Steinbeck, sorry, and it's pretty much about the Jode family on their journey to california from oklahoma to seek out a better life the way christina showed to have someone resonate with the story though her almost serious facial expressions conflicts with the dialogue which is i wish i could live through something the only thing about 2002 is that it's a palindrome okay fine well yours is the worst life of all I don't even want to go to school in this state. I hate California. I wouldn't go where culture is, like New York, or at least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods, was an exchange between Ladybird and her mom. Now, of course, that's a bit melodramatic. Um, and even her mom's response um, is definitely something that, could have maybe been different, but, you know, it is what it is, <laughs> um, and so it follows with Marion scolding Christine about her disdain for California, and of course, it turns into a bit of a, an argument between the two, and so she begins to chastise Christine who said, ask, why can't you call me by Ladybird? you promise? And she berates her about how she probably couldn't even make it into state or city college. She scolds Christine on how she's more fortunate in Sacramento than she realizes and how having attended an all girls Catholic school was really like the epitome of her privilege, yet it was something she didn't appreciate. Christine's identity as Lady Bird is marked here, but it remains consistent throughout the film, and we see that Lady Bird becomes pretty much her persona as a teenager who hates her home, her life, and California. In this argument, after we see Christine pretty much jump out the car and, you know, the title sequence, which is honestly probably one of the best ones I've seen, starts with her mom, of course, screaming, cutting to a sequence of her attending school mass and pretty much her daily life. And so we get to see various shots which really establish the dynamic she has. It's nothing too spectacular, really. And it really highlights how, I guess, boring her life is. <laughs> um, at least how much of routine it is. Now I feel I'm someone who really likes routine. I don't find much wrong with it, but you definitely feel um, how, I guess, draining it is to really be confined to this, especially if it's something that she doesn't want to do necessarily. Now, the first scene begins with over-the-shoulder shot of Christine's guidance counselor donning vice president election posters that. Kids at her school found, quote unquote, disturbing. Um, the attempt we all throw, right? I say we, but couldn't be me. But, but the attempt that people throw to kind of boost, I guess, your applications, or even if it's just something you're like doing, like genuinely, um, she runs for school president or vice president, sorry. Um, And whenever she kind of, she knows she's not going to win, but it's in this scene where her involvement, or I guess awareness of the things going on around her is questioned. And even now, it's not something I would have thought played into the bigger themes of the show were in the movie so she is made aware of school musical Um, after her counselor recommends that she auditions with having shown you know creative spontaneity um, and so whenever Lady Bird is like we have a theater department she she really realizes that there's more going on than she realizes. Um and so kind of following that scene we get her interactions with her friend Julia and really just her trying to go by Ladybird and really having her identity as that affirmed by others. Coming of age in the late 20 teens and more so 20s now, um, I felt the sentiment that maybe Christine wasn't actually as involved in her school as she could have been. You know, in the beginning of high school, my dad was sure to tell me to, I had pretty much a choice of two clubs to join And that was either student government or a Model UN. And so so my freshman year, I chose Arts and Music Club just to kind of explore those interests. And my reasoning was just to have, you know, a fun year. (laughs) But because, you know, I had been very involved in playing guitar, cello, um, piano and violin. And so, I spent a lot of my free time trying to practice and write songs. So, it was my sophomore year. I took the leap of faith and joined Maldi-Win and Student Council. Um, it was always a goal to join those clubs, but I just wanted a year to kind of... Pretty much, I wanted a laid-back year before I had some pretty heavy commitments. Um, I really just get a feel for high school. I had a lot of high hopes for joining the clubs, but at the same time, I felt quite intimidated um, that I was either not good enough to join or I wasn't qualified. And those choices were my choice to join those clubs i am immensely thankful for i really apart from you know my strict stricter parents um i really am grateful for the choice that i made to join um because they're definitely clubs that i really enjoy um and I mentioned before I was quite shy, but joining Model UN especially has really taught me how to stand up for myself and others and really articulate what I'm saying. And now you know, I don't know how believable that is with the amount of stutter or a slip of my words here, but it's definitely a great improvement from how I was before. Um, and so that's just something I really, really enjoyed. Now, following that um, that scene with Lady Bird, she eventually joins the school musical. And those scenes are really funny to me because, um, especially a bit later on, Sorry, that part was unnecessary. <laughs> but you know, she eventually gets her first crush. Ooh, I know, I know. <laughs> she gets her first crush, um, with a guy, and. <laughs> The scenes I felt just were really sentimental because they show kind of the intensity of, you know, those first feelings you have for someone. Um, and really just liking them, just really liking them. And I remember the first person I liked whenever I was in middle school. Um, it's definitely an, an experience you remember, um, and that stays with you, um, and, you know, it's just something that's really nice. Sorry I got a bit into the thing. Now, before this turns too much into a fully thought out movie, your view, um, I just kind of want to touch up on, you know, the importance of how seeing, you know, the childlike, ch- quotations childlike wonder of that first love, I definitely, or <laughs> I say first love, but, you know, first likings I definitely remember those being pivotal moments in my life for some reasons that I'm not quite sharing but they definitely were awesome um and like to see how excited she was and of course this was all until he cheated on her um which yeah is not quite fun I imagine but seeing Lady Bird's relationships with people kind of evolve from whenever she first starts talking with this guy. Now, until then, Lady Bird had kind of a passive relationship with her mother. Um, as I kind of, as I touched on in from the opening, on the opening sequence, she and her mother could Go from one to 100. And that's something I really liked about the movie, as how emphasized the dynamics between mother and daughter are. Because it would, something that remained consistent through the first um, maybe two thirds of Lady Bird is how quick Christine and her mother are from, well, how extreme or fast, they go to from fighting and butting heads to bonding, um, which is especially through a prom dress scene a bit further on in the movie. But Christine doesn't ever hate her mother. She understands and loves her mom. And something that we have to really grow with Christine, and learn is that deep sense of satisfaction and approval she wishes from her mother and you know I'm not a therapist but I feel a part of that is the reason why she tends to act out or be a bit on the rambunctious side um, perhaps but I definitely, she definitely fiends for her parents' approval. Before, the, a large, like, overarching theme is her going to college, and as I'm in that process now, it is so scary and stressful, and probably one of the most crazy and scary things I've ever done in my life. Um, I could definitely That part of the movie has such a deeper meaning um, because Lady Bird wants to go to college in New York, right? And she stays like that for pretty much the whole movie. And it ends up being a source of conflict between her and her mom. Now, Lady Bird gets more involved in the things and people around her life, but the reason that Lady Bird has this conflict with her mother, not necessarily because she instigates it, but because she is somewhat blind to the privilege that she holds, Um, you know, going to a private Catholic school, um, and also the work that her parents do. Um, Throughout the movie, it revealed about the financial stress her family is pretty much going through and so her going to college in new york is offensive to her mom because as lady bird seeks validation from her mother her mother seeks validation within her her daughter um and of course i'm not going to act like it's the uh how do you, the child's responsibility to affirm every single thing a parent does and in fact i think it encourages quite a toxic um you know mindset or relationship between the two um and so it's Doably, the cause of a lot of tension. Um, and so you know, I can't relate to every single thing with that, but I definitely know whenever I first started thinking of college, apart from you know the you better go to Harvard or you better go to Yale, that type of thing, I just wanted to go to college somewhere away from my parents, somewhere away from my family and life, because, you know, I want to explore my own identity um, as not just my parents' daughter, but, you know, myself. And so those types of things, not that they're detrimental, and it's always good to have freedom. They can have implications that you don't really think of. And, you know, I never really thought of kind of what that meant, wanting to be away from your family. And, you know, of course, it's always good to have distance. And naturally, as we get older, we grow apart from from our families. So that's just something I really consider whenever, or I've considered during my last rewatch of it. Um of the movie. Now, I would probably say that even kind of despite the root cause of that tension, I have, or I at least felt related to a lot of the conflict Lady Bird shared with her mother. Um. Mm-hmm. Now, not quite anymore but my mom and I used to butt heads a lot um not like it was anything drastic but we used to butt heads and honestly it's something that still happens time to time but often that just results in us going back both to our happy place you know decompress which is probably a bit more healthy than just holding on to anger or, you know, resentment, because no matter the case, it's not good or fun. So I definitely related to that. And those moments where Lady Bird, um, for example, in the prom scene, When she's like, mom, do you like me? Or she's like, do you love me? I just want you to like me. That's something that really struck me because, you know, sometimes I have those moments with my parents where you know that they love you, but it almost seems contractual, like they have to love you. And, you know, of course there's always those moments, and that's just something kind of happens. To deal with. Um, But you know. It's never a good feeling. Just having that. Almost biological love. um, And not feeling that it's genuine. um, Or that they just like you for who they are. Through the movie. Lady Bird. I would say fails. But. Her mom kind of resents Lady Bird for not fulfilling this expectation of her daughter. And on the cusp of her loving Lady Bird, but not necessarily liking her, she just expects Lady Bird to be this person that she isn't. And I know definitely as, you know, I hit puberty, um, grew up was in high school became more of the person i am and maybe this isn't my final version i feel that as human beings we always are changing um so i never believe we're in our final stage of who we are but the theme of just not being enough and not even being liked at what you feel is your best is something that really struck. You know, with school, my mom always told me to just do my best. Um, And you know, that's something I still hold true to this day because as long as you just try, do your best, whatever the circumstances are, if you just try, then you can't be disappointed. Well, you can always be disappointed in your work, but I feel that there's a greater failure in where a person didn't try versus having an outcome that didn't meet your expectations. But that doesn't really lessen the hurt. And that's kind of what Ladybird um her mother, had felt. She had really judged Lady Bird off of being this version of herself, um, the family, you know, the daughter, that she just wasn't. And so Lady Bird almost hearing her mom verbatim say she didn't like her, especially where she was at in life, is very disappointing. You know, in my initial journey with, you know, mental health and stuff, my mom and I kind of but it had a lot and a lot of that resentment, right? Resentment is a bit strong, but a lot of that animosity we had towards each other was my, I wasn't necessarily the child that my mom had thought it was or quote unquote raised, let's say quote unquote raised because especially with mental health, I feel we always are the people that we're meant to become. So being, you know, depressed or anxious doesn't make you any less of who you are or who you once were. Um, And so there's a lot of just frustration at the fact that I was going through changes. And it's not like those were bad, but... It might have been, you know, internal guilt or just frustration and not knowing how to really handle me that kind of frustrated my mom. But it's something we both had felt because I felt invalidated in the fact that I, at my worst, um, I say worst, but I, despite trying, wasn't good enough. And, you know, if you're not good enough for your own parents, then, you know, what's the point? And that's kind of where I realized that you have to be, you have to learn how to be good enough for yourself. Because, I mean, I'm a strong believer in being there. Because, you know, no one in your life, no matter who they are, um, is permanent or even guaranteed. Um... So, you have to be okay with yourself and just existing. So, that's definitely something I had to work through on my own of learning how to just accept myself where I was. And so, watching Lady Bird, that kind of that pivotal moment where my mom and I didn't understand each other. Um which is honestly probably the best description. We didn't understand each other or the things that we were going through. And you know, in any situation that can cause frustration. So that's definitely, I learned a lot from that. So I felt seen um, in Lady Bird. And especially coming from a black household, those types of feelings aren't foreign, Um, and, you know, I'm not purposely trying to make it about race, you know, it's not an experience exclusive to people of color, Um, but I definitely know those kind of unspoken expectations and resentment against those especially children who can't obtain it or who aren't seeming to obtain it in the way parents or family envision. Um, there's a lot of negativity that goes beyond just conversations um, at the dinner table, like, why are you doing better in life? Um, so it's definitely a working struggle that we have to kind of work well, yeah, working, struggle, work, is definitely something that we have to progress through and change, because I feel change is always possible. Um, and honestly, that makes the climax of the movie so much more powerful. A bit earlier, um, I, I started to say it, but then I kind of um, wandered off I'll say, um, let me break out. Lady Bird's then boyfriend, um, had said how her mom was cold and Lady Bird had disagreed with them, um, saying that her mom was loving. And I feel this just affirms the belief that you have to really learn um, the learning style of, or not the learning style, but the way that our parents choose to love us, Um, which is always something really crazy. Um, Her second boyfriend later on says the opposite, um, that her mom, that Lady Bird, Christine's mom, doesn't like her, where no, he says he she loves her um, whenever she adopts her first boyfriend's pessimistic view about her mom. Um, kind of in the height of their conflicts, really. And really that learning to love the highs and lows of people and our family um, towards the climax, or I'm, I'm not sure if it constitutes as, as a climax, but she is accepted or um, waitlisted into the New York University that she wants to go to. Um, it was actually her ex-boyfriend who had spilled, um, the information to her mom, who had wholeheartedly, I wouldn't say wholeheartedly, um, disagreed with her going there to college in New York, and this prompts her mom to just completely ghost her. (laughs) I say ghost, but her mom just starts ignoring her and it was this scene that had made me absolutely burst out into tears um i definitely know with minority families um a lot of the time conflict can just be flat out met with silence um and you know silence was something i had grown up seeing a lot um for minor inconveniences maybe um and apart from those two-toned sarcasm silence was kind of the ultimate defier invalidating your existence everything and so seeing her mom ignore Lady Bird whenever she was upset was just heartbreaking and especially how combined with my own relationship with my mom at the time it was so realistic and just upsetting because you know I'll admit I'm a big crier with movies um I, I cry a lot, but <laughs> this is just one of those things that really struck me, and, you know, I feel I say that for nearly everything, but the heart, because we see the struggle with Lady Bird's mom and ignoring her, and even Christine just breaking down from from that experience as i'm sure many of us would it's just heartbreaking and this silence continues until the very the very end of the movie where after finding out that she's accepted into the college after being waitlisted she eventually drives or she rides back to Um, the airport. And through all of this, her mom doesn't say anything. The first words her mom really says is saying how she'll wait in the car because she's probably not allowed into the airport, which, you know, um, in 2002 is definitely valid, but in the context, this grand context of sending your daughter off to college and having pretty much only one parent care to, with that parent, you already feel like a burden. It's just heartbreaking. Um, I remember um, some fights, not, not fights, <laughs> but I definitely remember some disagreements with my mom where I wouldn't even know what I did. Um, And I would just be sobbing or just be so upset because you want to be able to learn, you want to be able to fix things, but you're not having that communication. Um, And just being shut off it hurts. It's debilitating. So I couldn't even imagine how that feels going in on your way to college. But it's with this that Lady Bird heads to New York. And after a semi-drunken, or I say semi, but it was actually pretty bad, drunken encounter, um, she wakes up. She's forced to really wake up. Um, interestingly enough, and really speaking on her growth as a character, whenever she's <laughs> sorry, whenever she's at a party, um, her first night, she introduces herself as Christine, and she pretty much does this at, for the rest of the movie, which is only a few more minutes at this point. And this really symbolizes her transition from Lady Bird to Christine. Um, and you might have noticed, I, I've referred to her as both Lady Bird and Christine deliberately throughout this episode, because the switching between the names, at least to in my interpretation, is pretty significant. And so, she sheds this almost pseudo-mature, immature, in reality, um, persona, and goes by her government name. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that she's submitted to her parents or her mom's will, who hadn't really liked her name to begin with, but it's necessary necessarily. <laughs> um, to me, at least, it's kind of an acknowledgement of growth. We all have those moments in our life where we realize that our parents are right, or we, al- or we at least learn to appreciate their point of view and respect that. And so Lady Bird really, or <laughs> I apologize, so Christine here really embodies herself because she is, she is Lady Bird, but Ladybird isn't necessarily her. She's Christine, her mother and father's daughter. So it's definitely a pivotal moment. Um, well, not moment, but, you know, declaration, at least to the audience, um, and really to herself that Christine's a different person than she was in the beginning of the film, where she had pretty much pled, pleaded with her mother to be um, referred to as Ladybird, And so, in her mom, or in her suitcase, um, honestly, this was right before, she sees that her mom had written out a bunch of notes. In an earlier fight in the movie um, between her and her mom, she had pretty much asked her her to write a number of how much it costs to raise her, um, citing their family's financial struggles. And really, Lady Bird realizing the sacrifices... Her parents had made to ensure she had a good life and yeah these were things that she took for granted in the movie um and it's definitely something i that resonated with me um really having to learn how to reflect on things in my life that i take for granted um it may be still to this day but developing that sense of awareness is something that was very important here. Um, she reads these notes, and her mom had written them all out before um, or while they weren't talking, and it pretty much confirmed the belief that the mom did care about Ladybird, but she just didn't understand her she didn't get how Lady Bird functions and how to give her the love she wanted because at the end of the day, she was herself, Ladybird was herself. And so they just had to kind of learn how to coexist. And it's really this note that spiral. I wouldn't say spirals, but that ignites that epiphany in ladybird that you know her (coughs) that her mom isn't the enemy she's not the enemy and they're just two people who have to learn how to love each other and pretty much that being the end of the movie movie ending with christine waking up from the hospital and being drunk to a cathedral um With a call to her mother. It really just allowed me to sit. You know, there was no grand ending. And, you know, I wouldn't even say that the ending was happy, but it just allowed the audience, you know, me to sit with the question of how we love others and, you know, how we want the love to receive. Um I was definitely loved as a child. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel growing up or not really growing up, but as I got older, my vision of love had really changed. Um and it's something I'm still growing, or it's something I'm still working on right now of how to, you know, love myself and be enough for me. But really learning how my parents love was something I've had to learn, Um, especially with older members of my family and seeing how these patterns kind of not repeat themselves, but are in other families. It's those mundane moments that you don't really recognize as love And so having that realization, or I don't know the wording, but lens, kind of having that post-movie lens, really allowed me to view how my family or my parents show their love. And, you know, as a kid, I always got that my dad his way of showing love to me was through gifts. And of course that has its own implications and reasonings. Um, you can feel a lot of, I will say unjustified, but you can have so much unresolved emotion towards love and the love that you received, the love that you didn't receive, Um, And, you know, sometimes over just things you don't understand, um, I learned, or I later learned that a way that my dad and I bond, um, though we don't really talk that much um, or have, you know, the deepest conversations anymore, is, you know, through cooking. Cooking is something that, I feel so passionate about and it's something that I really enjoy but it was that bonding that between my dad and I when I was little in the kitchen that had sparked that and you know of course I could easily say that my dad and I don't have the traditional American love but that doesn't mean that we don't have love at all. Um, And so it was just kind of that message that was very profound to me um, and just really allowed me to have a great appreciation for Lady Bird. And so, you know, these lessons span far outside of where you come from, um, what your heritage is um and it's lessons like that in movies that i just adore because you know they're universal and so there is no right or wrong answer about anything um and you know that can be a pretty hard thing to navigate um oh i dropped it (laughs) But it's definitely a lesson that I really took to heart, um, and especially with some of the later things I said about love. That's all new, <laughs> you know. Whenever I first watched this movie, Lady Bird, when I was little, I I just had the lens of you know being an upset teen preteen um but i have a level of introspection now that just has really helped deepen my appreciation for the movie and those are probably my favorite types of movies where your understanding of it just blossoms it evolves um And that's to say... That's not to say every single movie has to be that way. But it's definitely something that helps me appreciate a movie even more um, whenever it does offer that. So that's just a little bit (laughs) of why I really love the movie Lady Bird. Um, I haven't... I actually haven't seen um, any of, or at least to my knowledge, um, I haven't seen um, many more of Greta Gerwig's newer films. Um, but that's definitely something that I hope to see in the future. Um, I forgot the name, but the movie with the two women by the sea, moi, Perfect, <laughs> um just my cup of tea right now i feel it would definitely be a nice movie um maybe it'll be the next one i watch but it's something that i really love and appreciate so i really hope to see many more films by her especially being a woman um in the film industry What she, what Greta Gerwig did was phenomenal. So Lady Bird was definitely deserving of the rewards or awards that it had received. And I hope that there are many, many more in the future. Hi there, thank you so much for listening. Um, This was a bit of a longer one, but then again, a lot of my film talks or book talks tend to go over, or honestly, I wouldn't even say over, because there's no limit, but they run longer, so I definitely, I really appreciate you listening um, at all, really, and especially if you choose to listen all the way through it really means a lot and i especially appreciate it as i you know navigate this podcasting journey and just get stuff out there um i know sometimes there can be a month or so in between whenever i talk about stuff or even i might delete something but it's something I'm really working towards. So any progress I, I'm i trying to be proud of. This episode was really fun to do. Um, as, you know, I just drew t- and talked about a movie. I, liked. I can admit it might have been a bit rocky in some parts. But I had a lot of fun talking about it. And I feel this is something I could do more of in the future. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And until next time, bye.